nada más que la confrontación. Welcome to You Don't Even Like This Show, a podcast about news, politics, pop culture, current events, and whatever else people are talking about these days. With your host, Adam Todd Brown. Hey, everybody. Welcome to You Don't Even Like This Show, a podcast about news, politics, current events, things of the like. You know how it goes. I'm your host, Adam Todd Brown. Joining me as co-host today, ooh, my favorite co-host of all, no co-host. But I do have a couple of guests. Case in point, Dave Waits here. We're always happy to have Dave Waite here. How's it going? It's going pretty good. How you doing, big dog? <laughs> I'm all right. I'm not the big dog you are. It's in your name. I know. I I, I guess StreamYard just holds on to your name. That was some other podcast <laughs> I did. And I think I want to... I was alpha dogging him a little bit, and I put that in there. (laughs) Nice. Well, thank you for being here. I appreciate it. Also joining us, Ethan Stanislavski. How's it going, man? I am doing okay. I'm wearing a button-up shirt because I'm definitely at work right now. So that's a fun uh, situation I got going on. Ethan was uh, booked on a list cast recently and was about yeah, 18 that hours was, late. That was that was yeah, fun. That, was, that was awful. I, I'm sorry I did die of embarrassment for missing that, and I uh, am so sorry, but I'm glad you were generous and beatific enough to have me back, so I really appreciate it. Of course, it happens. I have slept through podcasts I was booked on. <laughs> For no other reason than I took a nap and forgot I was recording. Mm. So we're doing a local news roundup episode today. We used to do those back when this show was called Unpopular Opinion. We changed our name. But I like doing these episodes. And the listen statistics, at least, would indicate that people like them. So we're going to keep the tradition going. And uh, when I say local news, it's not local news to us. Although there's plenty happening in L.A. we could talk about. I just mean, you know, local from around the country, local to the people where these stories happened. And I know people are always like, well, don't you just mean news then? And yeah, kind of. But I do find these stories by going through hundreds and hundreds of headlines from local news outlets. These aren't necessarily stories you're going to hear on social media and shit like that. So get off my back. The concept works. And let's get into the first story. Shall we? Yeah. This this is a good one. We've been talking a whole lot about how Wisconsin is slowly turning into the Texas of the Midwest. And I stand by that, at least in terms of the Wisconsin government. But Wisconsin isn't all conservatives. In pockets of Wisconsin, it's a very, very liberal place. Uh So having talked about all of the Texas-like laws Wisconsin has passed, it's only fair that We also remind listeners that all of the Midwest isn't like that. Case in point, Dane County, Wisconsin, just became the first sanctuary state for trans and non-binary people in the nation, which I know that sounds like a trap. Like it sounds like Wisconsin just luring trans people there for something awful. But having lived there for a bunch of years, I can attest Dane County is a very liberal 
spot in Wisconsin. Yeah. I have a lot of fun opinions on Wisconsin and Midwestern liberalism in general because I'm from New York City and when I was growing up, I was just told everything between New York and LA is just Jesus land and it's all one monogamous block of right-wing lunatics. Like I went to college in Chicago and that was eye-opening. I didn't know there was such a thing as a white liberal Protestant until I was about 18 years old. <laughs> I did not know that existed. And I uh, I have a lot of experience with Madison. I've never lived there, but my girlfriend in college is from Wausau, Wisconsin, and yeah, sure. uh, which is in sort of central Wisconsin. We spend a lot of time in Madison and it's, you know, Wisconsin's just interesting because it has it has a long history of progressive politics and right-wing lunacy. Like, it has both oh, like, yeah. in a lot of ways. Like, Bob LaFollette, if you're history nerds, he was, like, the father of progressivism in America, like, in the early 20th century. He was a senator from Wisconsin. Also a senator from Wisconsin, Joseph McCarthy. So it's like they right. have a weird mix of, like, very leftist politics and very right-wing politics. And it, like you said, it just depends on the pocket you're in. And Madison's a wonderful city. It's, it's you know, where the government is, where the college is. It's a very cool town. I love Madison with the caveats that it has pockets that are disgusting. I'm also historically a Green Bay Packers fan. So that Whoa. was the thing that I was raised with. Yeah. So <laughs> I know I'm a Chicago person here. I didn't think like we were that. bringing that energy to the podcast. I don't like yeah. that. Yeah. My heirs fan. Yeah. My mom's cousin married Ron Wolf, who was the general manager of the Packers in the 90s. So I grew up with that. Yeah. So I grew up with that world. And so I've sort of gotten away from that because the two icons of quarterbacks of the Packers have both turned out to be trash. And I've lost all faith in that and football uh, in general. But because of that, I've been to Lambeau several times and have a lot of good experiences in Madison and Wisconsin in general. Nice. Dave, you have uh, yeah. been to Madison as much as you Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah, I used to do uh, the comedy club on state. I was doing it all yep. the time back in the day. Yeah. Now I'm a comedian. It's been around so long. Like, they won't book me no more there. But, you know, <laughs> you know <laughs> what happens? You know, they, they don't book me yeah. no more. But I had a great time when I used to do it. <laughs> I recorded one of my albums there, Hot Dog, and it's my second album. Just I'm working a plug-in right out the gate. Hot dog in it's on Spotify. I always had a great time there. It was a club where I felt like, man, I could really rock it. I turned it loose because the people were so smart, you know? Yeah, it's a very educated population in Dane County because yeah. in large part because of University of Wisconsin. So with this sanctuary county designation what happened is that the dane county board of supervisors voted to declare the county a sanctuary what that means is that they vow to quote support gender expression and care for transgender children adults and their families end quote they are the first county in the nation to pass a resolution of this kind this is a quote from district 16 supervisor rick rose who introduced the proposal all we are asking for is this Draw a circle around those family units, however they look like, and give people protection from any outside fear or threat that may come their way by legislative bodies in specific. They're like trying to enshrine like uh, the Schindler's List in law or something like that. <laughs> They're oh. like, hey, we're we're going to keep you all in an attic here. And uh, Mark Maron has a really funny joke about all these states. These cities like Madison and Austin, or he, he calls them the uh, fascist storefront. 
where like these cities seem like they're all progressive, which they are, but they're like it may it kind of whitewashes the rest of the state. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, like, I oh, uh, Madison is so hip and progressive, but like you know, if you step foot out on those cities, who knows oh, yeah. what's yeah, going to happen? I, and it and it's not like the the police in those cities are woke. So what does it matter? Right. I went to uh, Indiana University in Bloomington, Indiana, and I adore that town. It's a wonderful, great college town. They have a great comedy club there, the Comedy Attic, one of my favorite places I've ever performed. It's a great town. I went to school there for a year, but 20 miles outside of it is the head of the KKK compound in Indiana, Martinsville, Indiana. When I know we're talking about Wisconsin, but I've the best description I've heard of Indiana is it's the raised middle finger of the South in a lot of ways. Like I really like that description, but there's tons of like Nashville is a wonderful city. It's in Tennessee where they're literally doing a coup of their state legislature. And so it's like, it speaks to the diversity of the Midwest in a way that doesn't really, especially if you're from the coast, like the way I was raised, you don't usually hear about that. There is more diversity of opinions. There are these pockets where all the weirdos in the state go to feel safe and they're still subjects of the state government which can be awful even in states like california and new york you know there's awfulness a lot of awfulness to go around yeah that's a thing i used to talk about on stage like i did a bit about liberal california and how the entire state has this reputation as being super liberal and it's not yeah LA's kind of liberal, San Francisco's kind of liberal. And then you get out into the rest of California, it's a total fucking crapshoot. Might be liberal, might be a KKK stronghold. There was a Nazi compound in Santa Monica, like a World War II era Nazi compound in Santa Monica that we immediately tore down 70 years after World War II. Like 2016 is when they finally tore that fucking thing down. It's a great hike. It's a great hike. If you like hiking, that's a great place to hike. Yeah, isn't it called like Murphy's Ranch or something like that? Yep, 100%. Now, they they arrested all those people like the day they uh, declared war and everything. (laughs) (laughs) Did they? Yeah, yeah. It is interesting that, you know, World War II, I think, you know, I've been looking back at, it's a shame that these people, uh, fascists, are making me learn history. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, God, what did we do the last time? <laughs> but as soon as Germany declared war, they were like, all right, enough of these guys cosplaying out here in the fucking woods. And Good. they just arrested them all. Yeah, I like that. So, though pre-World War II, there was a huge, huge, huge Nazi convention at Madison Square Garden. So there's a long history of American Nazism and fascism that we fought a war to stop it, but we also had a lot of that. And even our response to that war could be fascistic in its own ways and racist, as a lot of Japanese people will tell you. So it's not like we're the saints and there's an argument to be made that we didn't win the war, the Soviets did. So that's like a whole fun counter argument as well. So even though we were... On the right side of history in that war, we weren't in it all the way. Yeah, I'm interested to see where stuff like this sanctuary city designation goes, because it's going to have to be a thing that we see a lot over the next few years, because it feels like since 2016 or so, trans people and somehow drag queens also, they've like supplanted immigrants as the group most likely to get rounded up and slaughtered by fascists. Well, they realize that, you know, 
they just kind of look like they crunched the numbers and realized if they kept going down that road, like Hispanic people will never vote for them and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, they also need, you know, immigrants to work for them and all that sort of stuff. So they found the, you know, statistically one of the smallest groups out there. And, you know, then you you see uh, Mr. Dave Chappelle, he was kind of the spear of the fascist front. I'm not saying he started it, but he was like the leading thing with it being in the news for me. You know, yeah, yeah, he was, was definitely at the forefront of that, and he was so unapologetic about it, and it's so fucking gross. That's such a disappointing turn for someone who is such a great comic. Otherwise, yeah, I was very proud of myself. I won uh, being the one comedian in an office of regular people moments where we were having a dinner and they're on a work trip and someone was saying yeah comedians should be able to say whatever the fuck they want and let Dave Chappelle say that don't cancel him and I basically broke it down like Dave Chappelle will be okay trans people are in danger in most places in this country yeah. so if you're pummeling trans people that is worse than saying hey Dave Chappelle maybe you should shut the fuck up like Dave Chappelle will still be okay He has Netflix money. He'll be fine. Yeah. It's a lot like walking into a fire and making fun of the people who are burning. It's a totally different thing. Like, yeah, you can, in theory, say whatever you want, but you also have to read the room and you have to read the temperature of the country and what this environment is like for the people you're making fun of and take into account whether you're fueling what's happening to them or not. And if you are, shut the fuck up. And tell jokes about something else. Tell jokes about butterflies or whatever. Yeah, it's so easy. Yeah, those are dying too. We're not making fun (laughs) of the honeybees. Yeah. Anyway, good for you, Madison. This is a good thing. (laughs) And go Badgers. Now that uh, USC is in the Big Ten, the Badgers are playing at the Coliseum next season. And I've never been. I I had a very fun moment in Madison where I was there in like early September. And it was the one time they tried this and they never tried it again. They tried to get people breathalyzers before entering Camp Randall, their football stadium. (laughs) That did not go well. That's when you could see the real, even in Madison, you could see the real McCarthy like rage come out (laughs) in Madison at that point. It was an ugly scene. It was the least progressive time to be in Madison, Wisconsin. All right. Now let's head back to that part of Wisconsin that is a little more like Texas. This next story happens in Sauk County. Wisconsin. That's where 13-year-old James Yablonski recently went missing. And a missing child is obviously important and newsworthy, but it's not the kind of thing we would normally talk about here because there's not a lot to it. But, oh man, the details in this case, fascinating. For starters, they don't think this is a kidnapping. It started when young James took the family van, which he apparently knows how to drive well enough that he took it to a local highway that borders a bunch of woods and abandoned the family vehicle. And the belief is that he is currently trying to live off the grid. And I feel like this is going to end up being a real cautionary tale for like parents out there who are also like doomsday preppers and survivalists. Cause that seems like this is exactly what that is. This is a quote. I bought some off-grid books and come to find out he's got one of those with him, too. That's a quote from James's dad, who I have no doubt preaches living off the grid, 
and how important it is to go survive off the land. And his kid heard that and was like, all right, dad, calling your bluff. Yeah, I can't see a situation where the parents are good people at all in this scenario. <laughs> I just don't see a situation like, I don't want to be dark, but like, that kid's got bruises. It's not from tripping in the woods. A 13-year-old does not do that unless shit is dire. Honestly, part of me wonders if it's like self-defense on that kid's part. And he, the one benefit of having that kind of parents is that he knows what the fuck he's doing as far as a 13-year-old does in that situation. Dave, are you a camping guy at all? Are you an outdoorsman? You know, I like the woods, but I, I don't like to binge it. I like an hour or two episode, and then I go back to a furnished cabin with a hot tub and a television. You know what I mean? I don't Same. need the tent. Yeah. I do like, my friend had a cabin up in Lake Arrowhead. It was always great to go up there, and but I, I don't like the tent experience. You know, I don't like sleeping on the ground. Every time I was in a tent when I was growing up, it either rained or the condensation would be so much of that if you touch the tent, it would like drip water on you. It was just always wet, you know? Yeah. My wife yeah, I don't know has been pushing me to go camping, but what she definitely means is like glamping. Like she wants to yeah. sleep in a nice house in the woods and I'll do that for a night. There's a bathroom and a kitchen and TV yeah. and shit. I'm all for that. But yeah, a tent, hard pass. Yeah, I... It Maybe it's just because I've had very little experience when I've done it in the summer. And I did it at Coachella working as a vendor. This was like four years ago. I had a job for like a weekend there. And when you're camping in the desert, you want to die. <laughs> that was like one of the worst experiences in terms of climate and my comfort I've ever had. There were camps all around, all these vendors and all these people who went just to go to Coachella were camping in the desert. It was April, but it was still terrible. I'm a city kid uh, my whole life. I've camped very little. Um, I went to summer camp in Vermont when I was a kid, and we slept in camps, and I was not a happy camper, <laughs> um, it, literally, in that situation. I'm not camp people, but I like uh, you both said, if you're in a cabin in the woods and maybe you've got some substances, that's a fun situation that you can have. Yeah. Now, if uh, you were ahead. to tell me where a Jew would be the best place to camp, I would say the desert. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it took us 40 years to go, like, two miles. That's well, not a good, not good at it. 40 years. And if you know, if you look at that walk, it's like a, a week or two tops that you would need to do that walk. 40 years. Well, you were having a good time out there. Yeah, really. Yeah, we were burnt. We were making calves out of gold and everything. It was great. Our guy, our guy just went into the mountain and we're like, I don't know. How long he's going to be there? Who knows? This is getting the old <laughs> Old Testament nerdy right now. <laughs> yeah, all jokes aside, I do hope this kid comes back home safe, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I hope he's I okay. Should, I should point that out. And yeah, I, I think you might be, but I hope you're not onto something when it comes to him having like a reason to have yeah. done this. Because I I'm, was 13 I mean, once. I know that I might have gotten it in my head that being out in the middle of the woods and surviving that way would be cool. But also, I guarantee after like six hours, I'd be like, where's my fucking Nintendo? Like, get me yeah. back home. <laughs> yeah. But this kid was probably like homeschooled, right? We're getting a homeschooled vibe. From, he wasn't. Maybe. Was he acclimate? He yeah, probably doesn't have a Nintendo to go home to. 
He's yeah. probably got like whatever he said about his there. parents. I believe there's probably a little bit of neurodivergence in his situation, just because that's not a normal thing for a 13 year old to do. And the fact that he could pull it off means there's there's a lot going on here, and there's very few good origins or outcomes I could see from a story like this. Yeah, at this point. One of the articles mentioned the big concern is that the harder they look for him, the deeper they're pushing him into the woods. Yeah. And there have already been two cops who were injured looking for him just because the terrain is so rough. And it's like, that's fine, but I want the kid to be okay. And here's the thing. He should be because another article that we'll link to in the show notes does mention on top of the survival book and the car. He also took one of the family guns with him. So yeah, that, that's great. Right. Yeah. Kids with guns. There's no, nothing bad can happen from that. No, uh, my hope. I think the best, I mean, this is a dark path either way. What if this means stranger things is real? That'd be cool. <laughs> uh, if stranger things was real and this is how we learned it, I'd be like, well, that's interesting. At least that would be cool. All right. Let's switch gears. Okay. Richfield, Ohio. The Pilot Travel Center on Brexville Road. Anyone ever been? You know, it's if it's off a big interstate, that's possible. I've been to it. But, <laughs> I mean, a Pilot Center probably is off a big interstate. Yeah. I've never seen one in an interior yeah. urban setting. So maybe I have been in there. I fuck with a Pilot Travel Center. It's a great place to get yourself some travel snacks, a Subway sandwich, and like a CB radio, a book on cassette. They got everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Some so, survivalist romance novel on tape. Yeah. <laughs> so the pilot travel center, Brexville Road, Richfield, Ohio, that's where an incident happened that ended in a man calling 911 over a Subway sandwich order. Caller told 911 that he walked in, told the employee what sandwich he wanted, walked over to the drink cooler, and when he came back, the sandwich was already made and wrapped up. This is a quote. No longer from when I turned around to go to the cooler to grab me a drink, he already had my sandwich out. So I don't know if he spit on it or what. Like, it was like, never that fast. He also says the employee never asked him what he wanted on the sandwich or if he wanted it toasted. Both felonies in Ohio. And that's when a verbal dispute broke out and the man threw the sandwich in the garbage and told the employee to make him a new one. The employee refused and that's when the guy called 911. What was he expecting was going to happen from this? I mean, who says Karen is a sexist term? Uh, <laughs> stories like this, I hear a man does this, and I'm like, oh, Karen is a universal concept. Karen's a state of mind. Um, now, did they say how old this guy was? In, in the, the article? article, it didn't mention. Because the only thing I could think of is that maybe, you know, he's you know got a touch of the Alzheimer's and maybe had a moment where he forgot he walked down the line with the guy and you know people alzheimer's get a little upset that's the only way i could let this guy maybe slide or something like that otherwise it's a truck stop he's on meth he's having a freak out the sandwich being fast it makes me think you know jimmy john's you know freaky fast you know because jimmy john's you know they just make it you're not going down the line they just handing you a thing yeah Maybe this kid came from a Jimmy John's background making a sandwich. I can see the employee's point here. Having worked at, I worked at a Subway for one thing when I was in high school, but I've worked at a bunch of fast food restaurants. And if someone walked up to me and told me what kind of sandwich they want, say they walked up and were like, hey, I'll have a turkey on white. And then that motherfucker went and stood by the soda cooler and spent 
any amount of time picking out their soda instead of telling me what they want on that sandwich, I probably would just wrap that shit up and be like, you should have fucking been here when you were supposed to be telling me what you wanted. I have no doubt this guy was the asshole in this situation. There's absolutely no way. Even when you hear those stories about like, hey, Taco Bell employees pissed on a chalupa or whatever, or farted on a on a whatever, I'm kind of still on their side in those situations. You've got the shittiest job in the world. People can handle a fart on their on their burrito. Like I'm on team worker a hundred percent. And I also want to say, like, was there any like what the cops did when they got here? Because my concern is, you know how like people will get killed for like having like a toy gun when the cops think it's a real gun. What if someone's like right. holding a sandwich to someone's head and they, it's like an <laughs> object that's like shaped enough like a weapon that a shooting happens? Like I don't know. It's just not. But most likely the cops are just like. Fuck off. But yeah. Yeah. It didn't even mention if he got like arrested for abusing the 911 system or anything. So yeah, maybe he's just a wacky local that everyone knows does shit like this. Who knows? This reminds me of a story of arguably the most confident person I've ever encountered. I at least wish I had this kind of confidence. I was at the subway at Union Station in LA, the train station. Yep. And, uh, There was a guy in front of me. He ordered a sandwich. And when the sandwich artist asked him what kind of condiments he would like, one, this motherfucker said, surprise me, which that alone, I was like, wow, that is amazing. But then the woman put Southwest sauce on the sandwich and this dude goes, actually, I don't like Southwest sauce. Can you scrape that off? You don't say surprise me. And then say, take that shit off. Was he like an equality supervisor, like undercover for like subway higher ups and was just like testing his employees like a trial run? That's the only justification I could see for that making sense. It had to be something unique. That's yeah. for damn sure. Like, what's that guy's job? Like, what's his life outside of that moment? Like, And who doesn't like maybe Southwest? He was just, maybe he was just trying to see what the universe was saying to him that day. Like, surprise me. And it's like, oh boy, it's going to be a Southwest sauce kind of day. We're going to have to scrape this one together. <laughs> I said that once in college. I was like, I'm going to get a, go to the store. Do you want a soda or anything? I'm like, surprise me. And they got me like this purple Mountain Dew that only existed for like a week before they banned it. And I got what I deserved in that situation for yeah. saying surprise me. Yeah. Surprise. <laughs> yeah. Also, when I worked at Subway once, I got in the biggest argument with a customer because there was a basketball tournament in town and this guy he was clearly from new york he had a thick new york accent like fucking sopranos accent and he comes in and he goes i'll just have a sub i was like you are at subway there's a whole menu behind me you're gonna have to be more specific and he goes just make me a fucking sub all right i was like (laughs) what is happening just put like a piece of turkey on an untoasted loaf and then shove it in his face. And yeah. Now, if I were to venture a guess, he probably meant a meatball sub. See, I was going to say Italian. Okay. I mean, I thought we were both thinking we were, we were both thinking the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> Something Italian. Did they have a meatball sub at the time? Oh yeah, that's what. Yeah. That, yeah. That's what got me to sign on the dotted line when I was looking at my employment options in high school. <laughs> was that free six-inch meatball sub every shift? Sign me the fuck up. All right, let's talk about another story. This is okay. one of those wacky but also low-key terrifying kind of stories. Pittsburgh Pirates. 
we're playing a series of road games, first in Milwaukee, then a short bus ride away in Chicago. After the last night game of the Milwaukee series, the team boarded a bus to Chicago with an Illinois State Police escort. And that part's important because ACAB, but also those cops are the ones who noticed that the bus was like moving kind of erratically and they decide to pull the bus over. And after talking to the driver, 61-year-old Ronald Funderburk of Shelby, North Carolina, at first they called for an ambulance because they assumed he was having some kind of medical issue because he was so disoriented. Because, like, he wouldn't be drunk, right? You wouldn't drive a bus filled with Major League Baseball players with a police escort. You wouldn't, like, get hammered before you do that. But yeah, yeah, Ron was super, super duper drunk. And he was arrested, obviously. And God, that's one of those things where you see the headline. And it's like, <laughs> that's funny. And it's funny because no one died. Like this could have been one of the most tragic stories in sports history. And on top of that, you know, if he's doing this with the Pittsburgh Pirates in the bus and with cops in front of him, he's doing it when he's taking like old ladies to Atlantic City, too. It's fucking crazy. Uh, yeah. We must protect Andrew McCutcheon at all costs. That is my take on that situation. He's a gem of a human being. But yeah, my only thought on that is like, I mean, he's from North Carolina. That sounds, they were in Milwaukee. It sounds like a very Wisconsin move doing back to that to some extent yes like if i heard that with guy was from wisconsin i'd be like oh that makes a ton of sense similar to being like mark Wahlberg committed a hate crime he's from boston oh that makes sense but the fact that he's you from think North he was Carolina in- throws a wrench in that yeah go on dave you think he was in the game just watching the game just getting tuned up and it was like <laughs> this is a great time just walking around with beers and Either like, oh was- shit Either that or he was watching it on the bus, hate drinking because they didn't give him a ticket to get inside. Just fucking <laughs> drinking straight from the bottle. They could have put me in the bleachers at least. Yeah, it's, he clearly didn't have a DUI previously. Otherwise, he wouldn't have that job. Right. So the tragic take on this, and maybe a guy who was like a closet alcoholic for years and he just hit a rock bottom moment. And then this was it affected his work finally. So that would be sad, but also what? <laughs> like, how does this happen? Yeah. There's cops like literally right there that you know that that's part of the job. They're clearing like, the way. I got a little bit wide berth. I could, you know, <laughs> they're taking yeah. up two lanes. I can take up two lanes. I wonder if he didn't know that. Like, I wonder if this was his first time transporting a baseball team and he shows up drunk and is like, oh shit, the cops. Maybe. I'm just flashing. I'm flashing back to when I had a drunk Lyft driver once and it was like she was clearly hammered and she was just like swerving and slowing and stop starting. My favorite part of that is I I normally give five stars universally, but when you have a drunk Lyft driver, I'm like, hey, I need to contact Lyft right the fuck now. And what they did was give me a $5 credit because Lyft (laughs) is a wonderful company. (laughs) Oh, shit. Yeah. So, yeah, to get this assignment, I imagine this guy has to have been doing this for a long time time also you gotta if you're driving those pro baseball players around you gotta have like an okay vibe you know what i mean yeah. you can't yeah you can't be all like trying to get everybody's autographs and act like a cheese dick you gotta have a certain level of professionalism yeah because that's probably like a high-end bus you know it's probably a nice bus you get on that thing and you're like there's probably tvs it probably doesn't seem as yeah. bus like i'm genuinely surprised there's not a thing where to be a driver in a situation like this where it's like it's different from a cab driver where you're 
just hauling like one or two people or Uber or Lyft. Where here you're hauling like maybe up to hundreds of people. I'm surprised there's not a thing where you just have to do like a little breathalyzer before you can start up the bus. That seems like such an easy fix that I'm sure there's like civil rights implications or something, but I don't know. I mean, it could also also probably like they're like, we don't want to spend a thousand bucks on this piece of equipment here. Yeah. I mean, it's also maybe a situation where like, I feel like more often than not these days, baseball teams get charter planes rather than buses. Um, Just because if you're going to play Arizona and you're in Milwaukee, you're obviously going to take a charter plane. So that's like a sort of one-off situation where it's like you're going from Milwaukee to Chicago. Like theoretically, they could take a charter plane that would take like 20 minutes tops. But like it's not that usual to have chartered buses that much anymore for baseball teams. So maybe it was just like, oh, this is new. Let's have different rules about this than we normally do. And then this happens. Yeah. But I bet you every time a team plays from Milwaukee to Chicago, they're on a yeah. charter bus. Yeah. You know. Not saying it's like the only time this happens, but it just it happens less than like 20 or 30 years ago, maybe. I sure hope so. Yeah. I still plan to make it to the major league someday. Yeah. That dream has not died. Yeah. Minor leagues, it's all charter buses, period. But yeah. So, all right, let's talk about this next story. Fucking South Dakota governor, Christy Nome. I am really starting to get the sinking feeling she and Ron DeSantis are going to run as a pair. And the main reason I feel that way is because they are the same people. They're both fascists. They're both sort of young. They have pretty high approval ratings in their states and their policies are (laughs) just so similar. There's not really anything Ron DeSantis has done that Christy Nome hasn't aside from like take on Disney, which would be a very weird thing for a South Dakota governor to do. And in the case of like mask mandates, she was ahead of Ron DeSantis in just completely eliminating those in South Dakota. I think it was like early 2021, the last time South Dakota had a mask mandate which that was early. On top of that, solely because they don't deny the results of the 2020 election, people will be able to push them as like a moderate alternative to Trump when they're really not. And now they're back in lockstep on another anti-woke bullshit measure. Much like Ron DeSantis has provided Florida parents the means to file complaints about inappropriate material in school libraries that teaches stuff like equality, or black history. Christy Nome recently announced a new hotline meant to counter states allowing, quote, liberal ideologies to poison their colleges and universities, end quote. Having also lived in Sioux Falls, South Dakota for a number of years, I can tell you Christy Nome doesn't have a lot to worry about when it comes to liberal ideologies poisoning South Dakota. That is not a liberal place at all well like whenever they have shit like this like here's a hotline or anything it's like the problem is a no one actually reports this and like there's what you said there isn't like a lot of fucking opportunity but also it's like you can get assholes like me in la because there's no like saying you have to be in south dakota to do this just flooding it with nonsense like i remember when there was like when roe v wade was overturned there were hotlines in texas there was like a hotline website and and phone number in texas that was like, hey, if you see someone going out of state to get an abortion, call this number and we'll deal with it. And like, it's like, A, what are they going to do? Fucking nothing. 
And B, you have people, it's open to anyone. So you could flood it with nonsense and just like dilute any legitimate thing. And it's just like, there's no way to vet this. So anytime I feel like I see something like this, it's just like, what is this going to accomplish? It's just just a way for like, it'll be some right-wing kids whose parents are like really indoctrinating them. Like they had like some story in South Carolina where like some kids reported a teacher for the teacher like teaching like uh Tashi Hana Coates. They were like th- using that book as an example for some sort of writing assignment and two kids emailed the school board. And I'm sure yeah. if you looked into those those kids' parents, they were moms yeah. of liberty sorts, you know. So they they have a hotline like this. It's just like anybody, even like if it especially if it's college, if you're talking about capitalism, socialism, you could just be talking about it in a history sort of format and not you're not endorsing anything, but you know, somebody could be like, oh, I don't want to do this assignment or whatever. And then- yeah, the, the argument I've always brought up, especially in terms of like Christy Noem and Ron DeSantis both have tried to pass things where you can't teach anything that's going to make people feel uncomfortable about their heritage or anything like that. And they're clearly talking about slavery and civil rights and things and nothing that's going to make white people feel uncomfortable. And it's like the biggest ethnic group in this country is germans so can we not talk about the holocaust either because i mean not that it fucking dominates history classes in the united states anyway but that would also fall under that same categorization which that's nuts there's a case that came out i forget i may have been florida i forget where it was where basically someone was suing someone for teaching woke shit whatever that means and the judge was actually like okay i like this judge was like define woke like, what does woke mean? And I think it was like a governor. I don't know if it was the Sanders, someone like that, or maybe like an attorney general literally had to say it's addressing institutional and systemic racism that has affected you know vulnerable groups in America for centuries. So literally defining in a reasonable way, this is a thing we're suing for. It was like a literally like, we have to define it. So let's define what this actually is. And the the definition was like, oh, you understand that this is fucked up. You are just blatantly saying, I am ignoring this. And it was just like, but it was just so funny to have like this right wing lunatic just say, yeah, here's the things we're addressing and they're real, but we just don't want to teach that. Yeah, it's alarming. Some of the reports that Christy Nome claims she's received already tips, complaints, things of the like. Schools encouraging new students to take antidepressants, requiring students to choose non-white authors for their freshman literature classes, pushing students to wear Ukrainian flag pins, and paying students to take COVID tests. All those things 100% happen, sure. I believe those things happen in South Dakota. Yes, definitely. That's the thing. Like, South Dakota, those all those professors are going to be from South Dakota, too. I mean, there is a huge indigenous population there and huge in relation to South Dakota, which is a state that doesn't even have a million people yet. I don't think. Yeah. I mean, I, I have friends who are from Sioux Falls too. I feel like, I mean, these are people I met in school. So they're the fact that they're in a college, not in South Dakota means that they may have more loose policies on this stuff or just like more open-mindedness than other people. But I feel like Sioux Falls in particular just because it's a city and there's, you know, it's like there is a little bit of that, but it's still overwhelmed by the nonsense there. And like yeah. those stories are, but there, it, it's like, it's as close to like Madison or Bloomington 
as South Dakota gets. And it's, but it's a very like low rent version of that. But yeah, none of that shit happened. It's just to, you know, build her campaign for vice president or whatever next level she wants to pursue. Yeah. She also claimed that before the hotline went live, her office received allegations of students being required to provide preferred pronouns during course introductions. No one who wants to know your pronouns is also going to require you to give them. Any person who would ask, oh, what are your preferred pronouns? If you were like, I don't want to say, I don't want to answer that question. They wouldn't give a shit. That's how yeah. that's how people who care enough to ask those kind of questions actually work. It's just really a bummer that like Republicans were always terrible, but it used to be like we are economically conservative, but and it's just like we don't like these policies that help minority and vulnerable populations. Like, sure, you can say that. But now you're just saying the fucking quiet part out loud. You're saying, yeah, we just want to not teach these things. We want to keep the suppression going. It's like, it's amazing. That's like, not only like, that's not the extreme wing anymore. That's what you have to say to make it through a primary in the Republican Party at this point. It's just really like, that's what it requires. It's just like, it's gone to full fascism, which it always kind of was, but it's just like, it's not even hiding it anymore. And it's just fucking awful. Yeah. Dave, you ever been to Sioux Falls? Yeah, I did. A club there called Nitwits. Oh, yeah. Offended Nitwits. I I had a good time there. I worked with Uncle Lair. I don't know if... Did you ever see him, Ethan? He was a Chicago legend. I never saw him. He goes, here's a tip from your old Uncle Lair. And uh, he goes, it's a... It's a sick world. I'm a happy guy. That was like one of his quotes. I've seen it painted (laughs) in bars. Yeah, I have family in Sioux Falls still. Like, none of my family is from Sioux Falls, but I lived there for a long time, and they ended up moving there, and then I left, and they're still there. And, yeah, I've never had a bad time doing comedy there. I did a show with Portugal the Man at a place called The District, which was super fun. People listened. They didn't, like, talk through my set, which is rare when you're opening for a band. There's a high V on 49th Street that has the best biscuits and gravy I've ever eaten in my entire life. It's a, it's a fine city. Yeah, I mean, when I've done comedy in South Dakota, I didn't. there's a w- different type of right-wingness to those others. You know, I've been in Fargo. I mean, Fargo is probably pretty progressive compared to the rest of North sure. Dakota. Yeah, yeah. It's so close to Minnesota too. So, and it's a city. So it's like whatever cool people there are, they've moved to that city. Yeah. You know, yeah. but I, it's different than like this Southern conservatism because that seems to be very religious driven where I don't feel that it's not that people aren't religious up there, but I don't feel it the same way. In South Dakota, it's just racism. Like I've never had more people tell me jokes with the N word in them. And like do it comfortably than when I lived in South Dakota. It's just like how people were raised. One of my favorite Onion articles ever was rural South Dakota encounters first Jew shaken but unharmed. (laughs) One of my favorite (laughs) Onion headlines ever. (laughs) Yeah, there was when all the state quarters were first coming out. I think this might have been a Conan O'Brien sketch, but yeah. They were doing proposed quarters for states that hadn't released theirs yet. And South Dakota's said celebrating our first black person. Yep. And then North Dakota's was a guy whispering in someone's ear saying, did you hear about South Dakota's black person? (laughs) (laughs) Which 
at the time wasn't completely inaccurate. I lived in South Dakota at the time. And I mean, it's changed a little bit now, but it was not a diverse place at all. I still don't know if there are Asian people in South Dakota, like any. I mean, there's a handful, but it's wild. It's wild. Yeah. It's not like Minnesota, which has like pockets of like certain populations that have ended up there for whatever. Like there's the huge, uh, I think it's Laotian population in like Minneapolis or was it the the Mun? Like whatever. Mun. Uh, Mun, yeah. I don't think there's anything like that in South Dakota where like a population found a home there. Well, and then I don't I'm, know if that maybe happened. I'm being a little coastal elite dramatic here. South Dakota actually has... I don't know if they still do, but for a long time had a like cultural exchange kind of thing where Mm. we would bring in Ethiopian refugees Mm. and asylum seekers. And so there is a pretty thriving Ethiopian population Mm. in Sioux Falls. I'm just I'm being an asshole. That's That's all. All right. Let's talk about this last story. It happened in Philadelphia. And it is fucking crazy. And it's the last story we're going to talk about. It's on philadelphiainquirer.com from writers Ellie Rushing and Jessica Griffin. I really recommend reading the whole article. It's long, so we're not going to go through it beat by beat, but we'll link to it in the show notes. A teen named Deshaun Walker was living up to his last name and walking home from school back in February when less than a block from home, someone jumped out of a gray Nissan and just started shooting. And Deshaun Walker, he was 17 at the time. He was hit with 10 bullets. His 13-year-old sister was also shot in the arm by a stray bullet. He was in a coma for two days, in the ICU for a week after that. He spent a month at one hospital, transferred to another for an additional month, where he relearned how to walk again, underwent more than a dozen surgeries, lived three months with a colostomy bag, still struggles with anxiety, depression, and nightmares. And he was worried about falling too behind on schoolwork to graduate, but he managed to keep on track by working remotely and working really hard. And then after all that, a woman named Veronica Joyner, the founder and chief administrator of the school Walker attends, heard from police that he was targeted in the shooting and that it wasn't a random act of violence. And with that, she called a meeting and she and her board members decided Deshaun Walker could not return to in-person schooling or school activities like prom and graduation because she was worried his shooters might return and felt his presence was a danger. That just on the surface is some bullshit. In what world do you have a student in your school who gets shot 10 times and this is how you decide to deal with it i don't yeah, see how a public school could do that if no, it's a I'm, public school like especially an inner city school they have security with guns there a b if they really wanted to target them he was in the hospital they knew where to fucking go their security at the hospital sure but their security at these schools too so like just on the practicalities it makes no fucking sense but you know it was like a thing where like when i was a kid in school and i was like i had an attitude with my teachers but I really hated the principals. Like I really hated the assistant principals, the principals. And now that I'm adult and I have friends who are teachers, I hate principals even more. Like they're like, all my friends who are teachers are just talking about the administration and are just like, fuck this. And this is like an extreme example, but it's, it's completely consistent with the bullshit that like, if you're the kind of person who has a power grab move in a high school, 
as an adult, you're going to be an asshole. That's just part of the job. Yeah. To answer the question, though, I do think it's a private school because this woman founded it. I don't know if you just found mm. public schools. And Yeah, that did, that did tip me off to like found it some sort of charter yeah. school. Yeah. And it seems Somebody's like a getting- good school. They have a like 100 percent graduation uh, percentage. I don't know well, yeah, you won't let motherfuckers come. If they, if they, <laughs> <laughs> my school won like awards for having like a super low dropout rate. And then you get, you know, then I think back about how they would like find kids that were kind of slipping through the cracks and like be like, hey, why don't you go to alternative school so that they would transfer out and go get their GED or something. Yeah. yeah. So it didn't it didn't count against the dropout rate. Because there was like they were getting like targeted and told to like essentially go to another school. Nobody dropped out. Everybody graduated. (laughs) Yeah, my school was like had a similar thing where they're like over ninety nine percent of people who graduate go to college in my school, which on the one hand is cool. On the other hand, I went to a magnet school and like a quarter of our class that started didn't finish. So it was just like (laughs) yeah, or they went to another school or they went somewhere else. And it's just like, yeah, if the people who stick around make it to college, great. But there's a whole fucking population that is just not sticking around. It's just like, I don't know. I I didn't want to assume it's an inner city school, but if it's so I apologize for that, if it whatever it was. But my point about fuck principles stands and I will never take that back. But yeah. Yeah. And it it gets worse in this story. Mm. This is a quote from Veronica Joyner. If you're a target. Do I bring that target around other people and get them caught up in a shooting? We would be placing others at risk by having him around. And sure, maybe. But the problem here is that while the guy who shot Walker, a 20-year-old named Mika Roan, does live in the same neighborhood, the two actually don't know each other. This is a quote from Deshaun Walker. Maybe he was looking for someone with the same hoodie as me or the same backpack as me. I just know me and this guy never had any conversation, no argument, no bad blood, no fight over a girl, nothing. Police also confirmed that Walker doesn't have a record, which is an assessment the DA's office backed up also. Here's a quote from Jane Rowe, spokesperson for the DA. Regardless, there's no reason we could justify what happened to him. It's an unacceptable outrageous act of violence and it's a tragedy and there's no reason any institution should be treating him like he is also a defendant when the da is saying that you know it's fucked up like when the when the da is saying that it is bad and like it's a really long article so like i said we're not going to go through every detail of it but for a second there you do kind of start to see veronica joiner's point this is Another quote, I'm looking at the violence in this city and making a decision not to place everyone at risk. It's a safety issue. The only thing I could do was protect everyone else. There is like no denying that school shootings complicate this issue. And this all happened like a week after another mass shooting happened at a high school graduation ceremony. That was a targeted shooting as well. The one, the the one in Virginia. And like, I think he meant to kill the person he killed and then other people got shot in the process. 
I don't know, you know, the technical. I and mean, I, I guess wonder it, if that's part of it. I wonder if she heard the word it, targeted in that story and then heard it here yeah. and was like, uh-oh. But this isn't is that judge- guy in jail? Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's out on bail, but yeah. He, he was obviously arrested. <laughs> they know who he is. So yeah, I don't know why that. I don't think yeah, you're getting why. out on bail if you've shot somebody 10 times. <laughs> yeah. Right? This is just no. purely a judgment call on her part. Purely. I mean, she may be convinced the board, but this conversation would not happening unless she decided to go out of her way to fuck with this completely innocent person's like now, semblance had, of normal normalcy in their life. If she had like credible intelligence that he was like targeted by a gang in the neighborhood or whatever, yeah, that'd be different. Yeah, but if the DA is like this is fucked, then that's right. like clearly not a situation. It's just a principle. And if they already got the guy stuff. arrested, they know who he is. And so, yeah, like in in that way, at first, when you're reading this, you can kind of maybe see her point. But then as it goes on, this woman just gets more and more gross. First, if she was expecting like any sympathy for her point of view, she's definitely not giving any sympathy back for Deshaun's. This is a quote. My heart goes out to Deshaun. But I didn't create the situation. My actions didn't involve me in something that got me shot. End quote. Again, this kid was walking home from school. He was not doing anything that should have gotten him shot. Yeah. The more uh, you you send me some quotes and the more I read just the viler and viler it gets on her part. It's just like awful. Yeah. She also says a bunch of stuff about how things like prom and graduation are a privilege and he should consider himself lucky the school did all they did to make sure he graduated, which got what a shitty thing to say about someone who got shot 10 times. Then there's the clothes. After he was shot, it was claimed by several of Deshaun Walker's friends that Veronica Joyce asked them how Deshaun was able to afford a designer backpack and shoes and a prom suit that cost a few thousand dollars. And of course, he took this to believe that she was insinuating he sold drugs or something along those lines, and that that's why he was shot. And of course, in this interview, she denies ever having said that, but then completely blows that all up with this quote. This quote is in reference to his prom suit and how much it cost. Where does it come from? You live in North Philadelphia. So for one thing, yeah, she 100% said that shit about his clothes. And what she's implying is you live in too poor of an area to afford stuff like this without selling drugs. And his mom, for her part, was like, I work hard to give my kids the things I didn't have when I was in school. And here's the thing. If it's like a highly impoverished area, it's probably cheap to live there. She's probably saving a ton of fucking money living there. And maybe that's how she can afford to give Deshaun a couple thousand dollar prom suit. Yeah, it's almost like parents prioritize the memories, the good things that are going to be like, that's what they spend money on is good things for their kids. Yeah. And that's fucking fine. It's also like, I don't really want to know like, A, what the demographics of this school are. I mean, it's probably in a not great area, but also if it's like a situation where where it's like, you know, there's, if it's a more diverse school and she's targeting an African-American student, that's even more fucked up. No, uh, it's, but but it's probably looking at the graduation photos. It looks like it's predominantly yeah. black. 
and most yeah, of the I mean, also. So yeah, yeah there's, I at least this isn't a racial thing, but it feels like a class thing a little bit. Right, but it's also like, what is her background? That's like, where does she come from? Where the fuck does this vileness come from? That's what I'd be really interested to know. Like, how do you get, if that's the case also, like, how do you get to be the principal at a school in an inner, like a, a charter school, but at like a school that primarily serves under privileged communities and this is the assumptions you have. Like, you either have to be so burnt out from decades in a broken system, or you're just an asshole. And I'm leaning towards the latter. Yeah, she seems like an asshole. And yeah, unfortunately, in terms of him going to prom or going to graduation, that ship has sailed. That all happens near the end of May. It's a right. shame he's from North Philadelphia, because if he was from West Philadelphia, <laughs> he could have moved in with his uh, uncle, maybe, and, and Bel Air. Exactly. And- yeah wouldn't have to deal with that bullshit yeah but in 2023 that's a that's a whole different scenario have you seen the new fresh prince of bel-air that show is dark that's a heavy fucking show i also just like this article like reminds me why we need journalism like in a lot of ways like journalism is such a dying art but the fact that like the paper of record in philly can't is there to report on injustice and shit like this yeah it just shows how necessary journalism is to expose bullshit like this i don't know how this got on the philadelphia inquirer's radar and these journalists radar but if this happens in like half other cities this may never get reported on so at the very least i'm glad this was exposed and is a fucked up thing that there we can talk about now as fucked up and we don't even live in philly yeah his friends facetimed him from prom which Mm. that had to suck and then yeah yeah, he worked really hard to just be able to walk again so he could walk for his graduation and none of that happened he instead got basically labeled as a criminal for getting shot which that sucks and hey let's have less guns in this country what do we say there we go hey that'd be great so i think that's our episode day sounds good ethan thank you both for doing it i appreciate it what do we have to plug before we get out of here i have so there's so much going on with the network but i'm back to writing on my Substack at adamtodbrown.substack.com. And here's the thing, I'm really good at it. So if you could go read that and potentially give me some money for it, I'd appreciate it. And that's all I got right now. Dave, what do you got to plug? Oh, uh, you know, just follow me on Instagram, Dave White Comedy. Uh, you know, I'm around LA. Come check me out at the comedy store sometime. All right. Ethan, how about you? Yeah, uh, I run, if you're in Los Angeles, I run a monthly show at the Good Night in North Hollywood called Avatar 2. We have different sequels, themed shows for each show, but it's most through stand-up it's a great show and then yeah just follow me on instagram at ethan stan comedy and uh yeah after that we're all good to go all right and let's get the fuck out of here dave say goodbye later dog ethan say goodbye bye-bye goodbye everybody we love you 